Well, man, welcome to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron. My name's Matt Palmer. I'm with Catholic Men's Ministry, and I'm so excited to be joined by my co-host, Devin Shad, with Fathers of St. Joseph. Devin, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be with you. It's always good to be with you, brother. And I'm so excited about this episode. We have Luke Latorno with us, and in a few moments, Luke will get you introduced. But good morning, brother. How you doing? Uh, truly blessed. Truly blessed, man. Thanks for having me. Good. Good. We're, we're really glad to have you. Devin, why don't you open us in prayer? Let's, uh, all of our men listening, let's, let's give our, uh, our, raise our thoughts to God and just lift up our hearts to Him as we get ready for this, uh, this conversation. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, you are our Father, and you have revealed to us the greatness of your love, the greatness of your mercy, but you've also revealed to us our mission through your Son, Jesus Christ. And I think oftentimes, Lord, we are faced with suffering, we're faced with fear, the the potential loss of things that we love and we hold dear, and we just, we know that this is all part of the plan to perfect us, to, to make us who you want us to be so that we can bear fruit that will last. We beg you to pour out your Spirit upon us right now so that we can see the goodness of what you do even amidst our trials, even amidst our tests and our sufferings, and that being courageous isn't just for the fearless, but those who know how to leverage and overcome fear. So please, Lord, show us how to do that. Come into our conversation here, and uh, just blow us away, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Mama Mary and St. Joseph, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Devin. Again, man, this is Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a co-production of Catholic Men's Ministry and Fathers of St. Joseph in cooperation with St. Gabriel Radio in Columbus, Ohio, the Columbus Diocese. We're really blessed to have Luke Latorno with us today. Luke, let's start by uh, giving a man an opportunity to get to know you a little bit. Introduce yourself. Uh, just kind of uh, tell us about your wife and your children, and uh, and then we'll get into some things here that I think focus on on suffering, just exactly what Devin was asking God the Father to help us understand. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Devin, for that uh, those beautiful words uh, and prayer as well. Just so inspiring. Um, yeah, my, uh, as Matt said, my name's uh, Luke Latorno. I'm from uh, right outside the, the Philadelphia area in Springfield, PA. Um, married to my wife Mary for 15 and a half years. We have eight children. We're, we're blessed. In that realm, we have our oldest is 20 and our youngest is one. So we have a great span of generations and different age dynamics for all the children. So we joke at every developmental age of a child they're currently in. So we got diapers in college. Uh, <laughs> so just uh, a beautiful. So we have five five boys, three girls. Um, yeah, uh, really had a beautiful um faith journey for myself, which we can, of course, get into, but really over this past five, six years have just had an explosion of faith um, and really just felt the Lord just working wonders in me in beautiful ways. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me as far as uh, you know, what, what the Lord's called me to. Um, he's really called me out of the working world and into uh, you know, really working for Him uh, and dedicating my life to Him, working as a uh, 
what we call a mission ambassador with stewardship a mission of faith and how do we take uh, take the realm of what our stories are and our, our beautiful faith and how do we evangelize and then how do we multiply so that's uh, a little bit of the call within the call for what mission ambassadors are and who we are as part of the stewardship and mission of faith that's great and we will we will explore that ministry a little more but I'm really intrigued, and I think I think our men uh, listening will benefit from going back a little bit into your story. I know you grew up Catholic, but kind of nominally Catholic, like like many of us do. And uh, let's talk a little bit about um, Devin. Kind of brought up suffering in his prayer, and mm-hmm. I think that was spirit led because um, as I've gotten to know you, I know that that God has somehow used. The crucible of suffering to to enable you to encounter him, his love and his mercy. Talk a little bit about um, those early years, and, and uh, let's start with you know your father and your older brother, and let's kind of then move forward with some of the other challenges and suffering that God has allowed in your life. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's uh, it's the beauty of of our story that no one can take it away from us, and it's what we. Uh, we can hold so dear to, and you know, a little bit of my journey is, uh, you could say I was a prototypical uh, or stereotypical Catholic in that I uh, went through eight years of uh, grade school, then went to public high school and, you know, community college, but really, uh, really never really celebrated my faith, and uh, through my teens and my 20s, the, the extent of my Catholicism was the box that I checked that said, what religion are you? Uh, and that was about how practicing I was, not to say that I was devious, but it was just, I was uh, a haphazard Catholic, or just, I checked the box, but I was also a, you know, quote-unquote good guy, but, you know, from a faith dynamic, that didn't really uh, transpire. Uh, but then I think the Lord really put some, some crosses in my path that really led me, started the journey, but started, say, downwards towards the journey of darkness. And when I was 20, uh, my oldest brother, who was 10 years older than me, best friends, I was the best man in his wedding, uh, died suddenly from a narcotics overdose. And then two months later, my grandfather passed away. And then two years later, my father passed away from the effects of Agent Orange. He was in, he was in the Vietnam War. Uh, so you could say in a matter of two years, I lost three of the most important father figures of my life. Uh, and then where, where did I turn to in those moments of, you know, darkness? And it was to the bottle. Um, you know, it was to alcohol. And that was really my, my comfort. And that's what, you know, ease the pain of, you know, what you could say was undiagnosed depression, not to the clinical side, but just feelings of despair and, and really losing people close to me and not knowing how to experience it. And I was, you know, with my brother's passing, it was sudden, and my dad's passing, it was prolonged, and I was actually at his deathbed when he took his last breath. Uh, but where I was on my journey really led to, okay, how can I go and get a drink? Um, and then that really, I think, over the years from that point, um, you know, into my into my 20s and even in my early 30s, as I met my wife and, and even as we got married and started having kids, it was really the scope and development of all of my actions and thought processes really centered around where we were going to drink, you know, where where we were going, if, if people were going to be there, we were going to have booze. Um, if there wasn't, did we even really feel like going? Uh, so it, it really took shape and took hold of all the decision-making processes. And, you know, it was also, you could say, even half of the food bill. Uh, if we, you know, if we were empty of booze in, in, in the house, then, you know, then there was a problem, so we had to head out. 
and you could say even to a capacity when it was the kids' parties, it was more of, all right, how many cases can I get and what different varieties as opposed to where the kid's going to have a lot of fun uh, and focusing on that. So that's really, you know, I, was, I really think the scope and the development of death in my life in those early years, because I was devoid of faith, really led me down a path where my faith turned into, you know, into alcohol. And alcohol was what I looked towards to really give me that, uh, that peace and that comfort and, and numb, you know, maybe some deep hurts and pains from, from that loss especially from, you know, uh, formative years for not having a a father figure that could guide me uh, in raising kids and and starting a family. You know, Devin, I'm I'm listening to our brother um, share this this beautiful, poignant story, and I'm I'm thinking about the work you do with men all over the country around understanding fatherhood. And when we maybe haven't had um, a father that uh, to really um, to show the father's love, God the father's love, or when we've lost that father, um, the kind of the kind of hole, the kind of cavern that sort of is carved into our soul that we try to fill. Maybe help help the men listening to sort of give them some context as you listen to to Luke. What resonates with you as as we think about all of us the journey with with God the Father and how how sin and brokenness has kind of um, caused some confusion around that. Yeah, I, I mean, Luke, your story is absolutely amazing, first of all, and it's people like you who end up becoming the healers, so to speak, the wounded healers. I mean, I think, was it St. Paul said something along the lines, the very, the very places that we've experienced wounds and suffering and healing are the very areas in other people's lives where we can provide Christ's healing. And so I think that that's really the case here is that God loves to use those who have been broken and have been rebuilt because they understand the pain, you know, the depth of the void, you know, the emptiness, and how relying on worldly means to some kind of solid end, a good end, you know, perfect end, which is happiness, it, 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 does, it doesn't work. And that's what the booze you know, or alcohol, or, you know, or, or, or narcotics, or whatever it is, sex, all these things, they can be that illicit means to that so-called happy end, but they, they don't add up. But I think that you're right. I mean, when we, like you said, Luke, you talked about how you had this, you know, all these father figures, three father figures die in two years. I mean, that's, that's an incredible blow. I mean, that's, that's amazing, and we know that uh, fatherhood is essential to us. We basically the whole mission of every man is to become a spiritual father, and so the way to become a spiritual father is to be fathered. And when we have an absence of fatherhood in our lives, then it's where do we look? You know, where do we look to? And and so then we end up looking to the world for happiness, or we look to the world for success, or whatever it is. And so I just think that. Yeah, it's spot on. Your story is exactly right. Um, when we have that absence of fatherhood in our lives, that foundation, it leads us to seek uh, happiness in things that can't bring us happiness. Um, but I just I think that one of the realities for many men is that we have this deep sense that we've been abandoned. And, you know, it wasn't your dad's fault 
you know, your brother's fault in a sense that, but a lot of times there is culpability in, in our mentors, you know, our spiritual fathers, our biological fathers, where they have failed to transmit to us what it really means to have divine sonship and tap into that power. They've failed to transmit to us the role and responsibility of the Christian man and what does that look like, and they've failed to transmit to us the proper vision of a spiritual father who can haul souls to heaven, you know? And so I think for a lot of us, we've experienced that abandonment deep in our souls. And I remember reading John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart, and he was talking about when he was trying to fix his sprinkler system out in his front yard, and he couldn't do it, and he went in, and he was, he was like, basically stalking across the room or walking across the room, pacing in frustration. His wife was like, what's wrong? He's like, my dad failed me. You know, my dad failed me, blaming, <laughs> blaming the whole sprinkler system thing on his dad. But, I mean, I, I've been there, you know? I mean, like, you know, I got a plumbing problem or a drywall incident. I'm like, man, if only my dad taught me this when I was younger. It's his fault, you know? But there's something true at the bottom of that is, whether it's spiritually or even temporally, we want to be mentored. We want to be fathered, and we have to be, because we've got to communicate the Heavenly Father's vision for our life. Mm. Man, you're listening to Iron Sharpens Iron, a co-production of Catholic Men's Ministry and Fathers of St. Joseph. I'm Matt Palmer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Schott. And we're joined today by our guest, Luke Latorno. And Luke has been sharing some of his, um, some of the suffering that he's gone through in his life. We're talking about uh, the loss that he experienced of some of the father figures in his life. And Kevin, as you as you talk about that, I'm 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 so touched by the understanding that that our Lord doesn't leave us there, and I think so. It's a good maybe a good turning point that that Luke, as you found yourself, you know, turning to alcohol and, and trying to fill that void and to deal with that suffering, um, you discovered that somebody else was there with you and and um, waiting for you and maybe even calling you. Talk a little bit about of these encounters with our Lord and with the Holy Spirit that, that began to awaken to you that um, you weren't alone, and that there, there was a, a person, um, uh, persons, uh, the Holy Trinity, kind of waiting and calling you to a relationship with them. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it would really, uh, if, I, if I continue the journey, so after we got married, and, and started having kids. My wife actually had her, uh, if I call it her reversion first, in the sense of, uh, you know, we were both on the similar track where we were both raised Catholic, went to Catholic grade school, but both fell away. But she really started feeling, you know, on the surface, everything should be happy and everything should be good. You know, we both had jobs, we had families, you know, we had, we had kids, our family was growing, we had a house. You know, we were, we were a little bit above the red, not, not much, but a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit in the black. Um, but she felt empty, and she had really a strong reversion to where uh, she really felt, you know, it was only through God's love and His mercy that we can truly be filled. Uh, so through that, and through that journey as we started, we started doing things as a family that were more church-building stuff. Uh, and she started bringing us along. And not that I was kicking and screaming or, you know, I was uh, objective to it, but I was just coming along as a family. But then I had a moment, it was actually October of 2014, and we're sitting in, in church praying as a family. Uh, it was a, it was a, a parish um, close of benediction in 40 hours, and, and 
the priest at that time, uh, at the close, was walking through the church and, and had the monstrance in his hand, and the Eucharist was just beautifully displayed in the monstrance. And I just took my gaze upon it and stared at it, and, and guys, I call it my St. Paul moment, um, where I was staring at the Eucharist, and all of a sudden my vision became blurred, and I became blinded. And just this warmth of joyful sadness came over me that if my wife and kids weren't there, I probably would have fell down in the pew and cried like a baby. Um, but because I was just embarking or just starting on a journey, I was like, well, that was really cool. But what was that? That was weird. Um, and kept it completely to myself. Um, so then you know, through the guidance, a few months later, uh, some people had shared, you know, it was in a parish faith formation group and I'd shared my journey of what, what had happened, and someone had said, you know, that was the Holy Spirit coming over you. And I really took a step back. I was like, oh, that's really cool. What's that mean? You know, what, what does that mean in my life where I'm at? You know, alcohol is still still a, a, a providing a force in my life and, and a center force in my life, but this faith, is, this Catholic faith, this reemergence is starting to take shape and take form. And I think these, these next two moments were really the profound moments for me uh, in, in my life where uh, I fast forward a couple months and now I'm in, in May of 2015. And I find myself in church in adoration again, praying. And I'm actually praying for a friend of mine who's really suffering from alcohol and, and it's just destroying his family. I was just partially destroying my family, but he was, <laughs> he was really destroying his family was hiding bottles and it was just becoming very destructive. And I was like, Lord, I just wish I was a Bible quoting evangelical who would just say, yo, brother, go, go read John chapter 16, verse 12, and I'll tell you everything you need to know. Well, guys, at that time, you know, for me, the Bible was uh, unfortunately still, I would say, a stereotypical where we had one. I couldn't tell you anything that was between the covers and it had a good, good amount of dust on it. Um, so I go to, I reflect on the Lord, why, why did you say John chapter 16, verse 12? I've never read scripture. I haven't had any verses memorized. So I went and found, found our Bible and opened it up. And when I read John chapter 16, verse 12, it says, I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear to hear them now. And guys, wow. man, was, was I just floored in overjoy because that was the first time that the Lord ever spoke directly to my heart where he just pierced any hardness or any any doubt, uh, and he just pierced it, and just, it was, it was awesome. I was overjoyed. But now I'm in a conflicting point, because I have these beautiful words that the Lord just shared with me, and just beautiful, uh, just piercing, heart-piercing words of, I have many things to tell you, but you can't be able to hear them now. And his faith is starting to grow, but yet alcohol for me is still a quite profound moment, uh, and still, still at the center of my life. And so that was May, and, and, and as we for, move forward through the summer, uh, we actually dealt another blow uh, in, in August of that year where my cousin, who was 40, was actually uh, in, in my wedding. He was actually one of also the godfathers of one of my children. At the age of 40, dies of a heart attack. Um, so again, just another blow of death in my life, and it's really just taking me back, but I have this faith that's starting to grow inside me, but alcohol's still there going side by side. So it's almost, you can say, I'm serving two masters, uh, one master in faith and one master in the world uh, that, that is alcohol. Um, and it really came to a point, guys, that October. It was October 10th, 2015, and I was fortunate to be in uh, a men's gospel reflection group, a, a Saturday morning group where we meet 
and just pray together as men, pray the rosary, and then we reflect on that coming Sunday's Gospel. And really just took it as a, as a sign when, when we read the, the Gospel for that coming Sunday. It was the parable of the young man that comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, I do everything you ask. I follow all your commandments. What else do I need? Come, and what else do I need to do to come and follow you? And Jesus says to the young man, go home, sell all your possessions to the poor, and then you can come back and follow me. And the young man went away sad uh, because he had many possessions. Well, guys, after I read those words, I was with, uh, you know, it just happened to be the beautiful inspiration that there was just two guys there, a great brother in Christ that Devin and I both know, and Matt, you know Rob Longo, as well as another great friend. And I, I, I turn to those guys, and I start crying. I'm totally broken. And I say, guys, that's me. I'm that young man. That's what alcohol is doing in my life. And through their just wisdom and just being filled, um, they, came, they came over. They laid their hands on me. Uh, they prayed over me. And they asked the Holy Spirit to remove the disease of alcohol and cue the fire of his love. And, guys, it, it was miraculous. From that moment, I didn't have a thirst for alcohol anymore, and really the thirst of his love uh, is what really came through and exploded within me. Uh, and just the beauty of that, of that moment was really uh, what set forth for, for many more things to come, but I really took it as a sign from the Lord that he was going to miraculously heal me because he said, I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear to hear him now. And when that happened... Mm-hmm. It was just, man. I was, I was set on a new path. I was, I was, I took, uh, I, I jumped on the wide path and, and uh, jumped off of that and, and hopped on the narrow path to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it just has been an explosion ever since. And from that moment, you know, it, it's carried me through. You know, unfortunately, even more tragedy and more crosses we have to bear. But when you can bear them joyfully and you can bear them with the Lord. It's not even bearing the crosses anymore. It's accepting them joyfully because, all right, Lord, you're going to put me on this path. You've already done and, and saved me. You've already miraculously healed me from, from the disease of alcoholism. All I can do now is just praise you in every instance and in every aspect of my life because now everything you have is a gift for me because you've, you've saved me from, from death. You've saved me from destroying my family. And now you've really, once, once that cloud and confusion of alcohol was lifted and removed, then it really allowed me to see what was wrong and the problems that I needed to fix for myself and in my marriage. And stuff, you know, it's not perfect. I'm still working on a lot of those things today, but it really gave me the clarity to say, you know what? Man, Lord, you are awesome. There is nothing like it. And ever since that moment, that was five years ago uh, that I've been sober, and it's just been... There's no greater journey I'd rather be on. There, I haven't had as much fun. There hasn't been as much joy. And there's nothing like it, you know. And, and you know, when we talk, you know, one of the beautiful scenarios I like to use is almost the, the analogy of a mountain. You know, we're on the top of one mountain when everything seems fine and perfect. But when we fall, you know, we crash down and hit a foundation. And hopefully that foundation is our faith. But when we pick ourselves back up and we start climbing that next mountain, well, that first mountain looks like a molehill because of how much we've grown and how much we've overcome. And then it allows us to also bring others along with us that we would have never come encounter with. So that's, uh, there's much more. I have many more things to tell you, but you can't, you guys can't bear to hear them now. 
<laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been, um, you know, just a gift and a beautiful blessing that the Lord's given me. That's really, like I said, has prepared me for, you know, more tragedies and, and hardships that we've endured, but it's been such a blessing and a gift. It's such a powerful story of, of the lengths that our Lord goes to to reveal His love for us and His call in our lives. And, Jevin, I'm thinking about um, His voice, how, how Luke encountered uh, Jesus' voice in, um, in these moments. And, um, you know, not, not all of us are going to have a, a Eucharistic moment where um, we feel where we are blinded or a moment where alcohol is taken, the desire for alcohol is taken from us. But, but in our own journey, God is constantly speaking into our lives. Help, help our men out, out there listening to take Luke's story and, and contextualize it into their own lives and so they can see God at work um, maybe in different ways but still still speaking and still calling we've got about we've got about a minute minute and a half men so Devin um, starts <laughs> to put a bow on this well, for, for yeah, wow well I mean the main thing here is is that uh, Luke was docile in the very beginning I mean he wasn't sure, but he was along for the ride. You know, Mary, I think that's your wife, right, Luke? She was, you yep. know, feeling like she needed God's love and mercy and turning back to him. And you're like, you know, okay, I'll try this out. And I think that's all God asks. You know, he just asks for that initial turning toward him, you know, like Moses looking at the bush. I'm going to check this out, see what's going on here. It's on fire, but it's not burning. And then then he takes us by steps. He gives us signal graces like he did with you in that Eucharistic procession and then with that Bible verse. But what really happens, though, is when, you know, these two guys come alongside of you. You know, Rob, of course, Rob's amazing. And, but they come alongside of you, and they're praying over you. And so I think really what it really boils down to, especially in your life, Luke, is humility. I mean, this humility to say, okay, I'm going to try this. Okay, I felt this. I'm going to press into this, but then the humility to say, I'm broken. I, I need God's help. I need God's grace. I don't have it all together. I think that's the real lie for a lot of men is, is they got put on the show and act like they've got it all together. We don't. We're all broken. And so this humility of turning yourself over to your two friends, that was the key. That is the key. And God loves the humble heart because he says, humble yourself before the mighty, under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will exalt you. That's St. Peter. And that's what you did. And he sure did. We're going to leave it there. Um, we've come to the end of our half hour. Luke, thanks so much for sharing with us. We'll get you back on the show. And all of you listening, thanks for joining us. This has been Iron Sharpens Iron. I'm your host, Matt Palmer, joined by Devin Shad. Thanks, Luke, for being with us. God bless you, men out there. Live the journey. God bless. Bye-bye. <laughs>